Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Relationships can be tough at times, and they can be painful at times, because people can be difficult. And I'm one of those people, you're one of those people. So we can be difficult at times. That's one thing. It's a whole nother thing when a relationship moves to where it's crippling, where it's damaging, where it's abusive. There is a difference. Between, okay, this is tough and painful, and now, okay, wait a minute. This is not right. This is abusive. Go to Colossians 3, because we want to have healthy relationships in our Christian life at home. I believe it starts at home. Amen. I believe it starts at home. Colossians chapter 3, let me show you in verse 13. Uh, verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, watch, here it is, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Now, isn't that a great verse on being able to forbear? Isn't that a great verse on being able to forgive? If you're a husband or if you're a wife, how many times have you had to get a hold of this verse and just forbear and forgive? Amen. Have we all been in situations like that? We have. Go to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's, let me show you this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We just got done a conference on this chapter, so we should all be very familiar. Watch at verse number five. Charity suffereth long. Man, that special love between the brethren, charity. It says, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Now watch verse five. Doth not behave itself unseemly. That would be somebody who's rude. Are you unseemly at times? I would say that we all have been that way. It's a rude way to be. It's unseemly. And then it says, seeketh not her own. Do you, do we look for an edge in an argument? That would give us the advantage. Are we better arguers. Than we are at. Having charity. Now that'll preach. That'll preach. Charity. Seeketh not her own. Charity says. I am not going to look for the advantage. Or for the edge in this argument. 
this is a way to prevent us from going to a difficult relationship into something that's abusive or destructive. You know what prevents it? Charity. And then it says, is not easily provoked. Young people, middle-aged people, and older people. Newsflash. There will always be things out there to provoke you and to provoke me. You can't get away from the provoke. You can't get away from it. There's going to be something that's going to poke at you. Asking God to get rid of all that, it's not going to happen. There's always going to be somebody to provoke you. Charity says, I am not easily provoked. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's what my mom used to tell me to say when people would tease me. As a way that it's supposed to have you not be easily provoked. Now, it didn't work. I didn't, but that's the idea about those types of silly sayings. Charity should be able to help you. And then it says, thinketh no evil. You can't not know about evil things. We all live in the same wicked, evil world, right? You're going to know that evil is out there. Your eyes may see something. Your ears may hear it. You may just have a general sense of it. But you know what we don't do? We don't go home and rip out our eyes and tear off our ears. No, we try to dig up the root of that evil and get rid of that. And in relationships, we should be doing that more often. If you've got a root of bitterness, if you've got a root of anger, if you've got a root of malice or something you're holding against somebody else, dig that root out and get rid of it. Because it will take a relationship from bad to worse. Okay. So aren't those great verses on having to deal with people and, 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 and how we should live as Christians, our relationships? Right? Okay. Now, well, well let's turn there. Go to Luke 17. Go to Luke chapter 17. How many of you have ever heard people, well, I'm sure if you think long and hard enough or just for a short amount of time, you will, someone will come to your mind, you know, that has been in an abusive relationship. It's not been difficult. It has just turned to outright. It's just wrong and sinful. And you've heard people say, well, she, you, you just need to forgive them. How many of you have heard that at one time or another? Okay. Do we really need to just forgive them? Let's see what the Bible says. Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter number 17. Bible says, take heed to yourselves. Uh, well, first, let's back up because this verse is worth going over. Verse number two in Luke 17, verse two. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. I believe this is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible spoken by Jesus concerning how serious he is 
about the protection of young ones. If you were to, if you were to take a millstone and tie it around your neck and then be cast into the sea, what would happen to you? You would drown. This is the one verse in the Bible where Jesus says, it's better for you to go drown yourself than offend one of these little That's how serious God is about protecting little ones. And he has a verse in the Bible where he actually gives an allowance for suicide, if I may say it that harshly. You're thinking about harming a little one? Here's a better idea. Wrap something around your neck and go cast yourself into the sea and drown yourself. Well, shouldn't we forgive? Well, apparently Jesus said, tie something around your neck and you go. <laughs> you go out. Go out into the sea. Be serious. Jesus is serious about protecting young ones. And too many times we have this idea, well, we just get in a relationship and it's gone south. It's sour. It's abusive. It's it's absolutely sinful. Well, we should just grin and forbear it. We should just forgive. Should we? Look at the next verse. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, forgive him. Except that's not what it says. It says, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he does what? If he repent, forgive him. How does forgiveness take place? Through the avenue of repentance. What does it say on the next verse? And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I repent. Thou shalt forgive him. What must that man do? Repent. You let's, you know. Kelly lets me borrow his chainsaw and I and I end up stealing stealing it. I sell it and I make money off of it. And he asked for it back. He said, sorry, I, I already sold it, made some money. And then the next week comes along and I say, hey, can you, can you, can I borrow your chainsaw again? Well, he should just forgive me and let me borrow his next day. No, he's going to say, what do you mean? What do you mean? Am I going to, you're going to ask for my chainsaw again. The last one I gave you, you stole it from me. You sold it. You kept the money. How about you repent? Abusive relationships go on because there's no requirement of repentance. And without repentance, the abuse will continue to go on. You are not required to just forgive and forget. If that person doesn't repent, you need to pray for them. You need to not keep malice in your heart against them. And you need to be able to move on in, in your life in a healthy way. And it may be a time of separation from that abusive person. Does that make sense? 
People just hang around in relationships and they just suck up the abuse. And it does nothing but drain the life out of them. And we don't want that happening to anybody. But if someone refuses to apologize, it's because they don't care. That conversation has to be had for a relationship to move on. If someone refuses to acknowledge wrong, they're not repenting. Through repentance, it doesn't look to excuse their behavior. It looks to make it right. When someone has no thought at all of taking responsibility for what they did, that is not repentance. And I know parents, we know this, we, we train our kids, hey, but I'm talking about adult people in relationships that go south because they don't understand to just grin and forbear it and just forgive and forget isn't what Jesus wants us to do. There needs to be repentance in that abuse. There needs to be repentance in that wrongdoing for the relationship to move forward in a healthy way. Because if there isn't, it's just going to soak and stew in a crippling manner. Second Corinthians 7. Second Corinthians 7. Look at verse number 8. We'll get some more understanding about this repentance. Second Corinthians 7, verse 8 says, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation not to be repented of but the sorrow of the world worketh death in other words there's a type of false repentance that needs to be repented of a lot of people are just sorry the reason they're sorry is because they got caught Believe it or not, there are deceptive people, deceptive people. They will do things wrong to get a thrill out of the fact that they didn't get caught. And that is not the way God wants us to live as Christians. It's not about being sorrowful. You can call that repentance. If you take fire and you light up dry hay or dry straw, if you, it'll just light the whole thing up. If you take fire and you put it to uh, a metal, it'll soften that metal. But if you take fire and you put it to clay, it'll harden it. Same fire. What are you? What are you? 
some people, the more pressure you put on them, the more hard they get. The more you ask for a conversation, the more hard they get. How about having a soft heart? We get a lot further in this world in, in relationships. But it says in verse number 10, this is a very familiar passage, I'm sure. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Well, I said I'm sorry. Come on. Didn't you hear me? I said I'm sorry. Yeah, you said words. That type of response can be damaging. Because saying the words is not what this 2 Corinthians 7.10 is talking about. We are looking for fruit of repentance. That means not going back to the same behavior. And if you do go back to the same behavior, you own it. I was wrong. That's the type of repentance we're talking about. Matthew 3, 8 talks about bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. What's another old saying? Actions speak louder than words, right? It's a biblical principle, even though it's not a Bible verse. Trust doesn't happen over time. How is trust trust doesn't happen overnight it develops over time through a pattern of behavior and now trust is established if you're going to repent what is the fruit that you're bringing I said I'm sorry what are you going to do tomorrow A Christian woman has every right to say to her husband, you can't talk to me like that. Well, I said, I'm sorry. Yeah, but the next day comes along and he does the same thing. Yeah, but I said, I'm sorry. She's supposed to forbear and forgive. Well, she's getting verbally abused every day. You know what that man needs to do biblically? Repent. Repent. So that forgiveness can take place. And it means not going back to the same behavior. Love bombing is not repentance. It's just not this, this idea that you get caught doing wrong. And so you just, you, do, you buy all these gifts, you drop off the, all these love bombs. But, but the behavior never changes. You can buy all the flowers you want. You can do all the dinners that you want. You can bring all the toys that you want, parents. But until you have some fruit in your life that's consistent, it's not repentance. Here's what repentance is. Being grateful. Grateful that the person that you have offended is giving you another chance. That is true repentance. It doesn't seek to gain an advantage in an argument. It says, you know what? I'm thankful that this person has given me another shot at it. 
That's the hard attitude of it. And it does not bring with itself a sense of entitlement. I got caught. I had to say I was wrong. So now I'm entitled to show you how you're wrong. No, that is not biblical repentance. James 5. Let's see what we got here. Hebrews and then James. I remember that because song Milani sang the last children's service. Get them all in order. That always get mixed up with Hebrews and James. What's first, Hebrews or James? Hebrews is first, James is second. Thank you, Milani. We're in James 5, and the 16th verse says... Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Great verse, isn't it? Hey, you're at fault. Confess it. What else do we see in James chapter 5? We see one to another. We see one for another. This is called a verse that has a principle of accountability. God wants accountability. One of the, one of the crippling characteristics of an abusive relationship is isolation. Isolation is a primary tactic of cults. Cults, they don't like the James 5 part where it says one to another or one for another. Healing doesn't take place in isolation. You can't have a man over here and a woman over here and expect healing to happen. It has to be a coming together for there to be a conversation. You see, if that doesn't work, you don't isolate yourself. You have to come and get some help. That's called the one anothering that the Bible talks about. It's called accountability. And healthy relationships are built on accountability. You know why David fell into adultery with Bathsheba? He was isolated. He was by himself. May that be a lesson to all of us. Young men, you better be careful. The situations you put yourself in alone. But isolation can cause you to fall into different. He got deceived and he fell into sin. Hebrews 3. It says, uh, you don't have to turn there. It says, but exhort one another daily. Which it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. God isn't asking you and I. He is commanding you and I to do that. Exhort one another daily. You know what that means? To warn, to caution, and to argue against. You can't do that in isolation. But that is exactly, go to 2 Timothy 4.
This is why God gave the church pastors and teachers. Look at 2 Timothy 4, verse number 2. Preach the word. That's what we're doing. Be instant in season, out of season. Watch this. Repute, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It is a command. If you're going to be a preacher of the word of God, you must be able to exhort. Isolation and cult tactics are not to exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. It's to control. This is where relationships go from, okay, a little trouble here to, okay, this is crippling and damaging and abusive. They remove themselves from any accountability and they isolate and control. Many women have been caught in situations like that. It's isolate and control, isolate and control. Say what I say, think how I think. That's a bad way to go. God gave the church so there would be some exhorting and all the stuff we just read about. It, it, I find it interesting. Look at the third verse. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It just gets me thinking about it's not like you can't find somebody to agree with. And this is one of the reasons why a relationship that could be healed and restored ends up going south. Because either one or both of the spouses is just looking for someone to agree with them. And it's not hard. You can go on the internet or just go around town and you can find somebody to agree with you and get behind you. That isn't the goal. The goal is to get yourself right. Repent. Say you're wrong. If you're sick, you would seek help. If you can't get well at home, you go to a doctor. It's okay to get help. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Get in God's word, the truth, that will help. Proverbs 27, it's a very familiar passage. Iron sharpeneth iron. But you wouldn't think that that would be true because you and I, if we were wanting to sharpen iron, we wouldn't grab another piece of iron. What would we grab? We would grab a whetstone and we would take that, right? That would be the way we would do it. But that's not what God says. He says, iron sharpeneth iron. 
Iron and a whetstone are two different natures. But iron and iron, it's the same nature. That's why God wants us to be together. Why? Because we are of the same nature. Iron versus iron. Two minds thinking together on the same problem helps solve the problem, right? Two eyeballs looking at the same thing. Hey, come here. I want to get your set of eyeballs on this. What do you think? Why? Two sets of eyeballs having the same nature, looking at the same thing. You're going to sharpen each other. You're going to come up with a solution biblically better and easier if you allow iron to sharpen iron. Go to Ephesians chapter number four. Watch, it says verse number 15, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 14. <clears throat> that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby, whereby thy, they lie in wait to deceive. And I never even liked going on YouTube after one of the big holy days, holidays, because, you know, the Easter season has passed and that, the week after that resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it happens. Now you have all of these uh, things that come out on, on, on my feed that show this, this church did this blasphemous thing and this so-called church had this blasphemous play. And some of the things I saw, absolute blasphemy against the holy god how does that happen children are just tossed to and fro every wind of doctrine slight of men they're just deceived transformational church there's no transformation going on and it's not a church they had a display of evil and they tried to pass it off as something to do with the resurrection you don't know what I'm talking about. And maybe I just don't need to go on my feed after these, these days. But that kind of stuff wears me out because I see hundreds of thousands of people being deceived by what to me is seemingly that's just stupid. Why would you even fall for that? I mean, Brother Kelly, how do grown adults fall for half naked women? dancing around stage in leather. It looks like leather has been spray painted on them. And they, and they somehow try to make that about the resurrection. How do people fall for that? It's got to be this verse. They're just tossed to and fro. They don't even. But speaking the truth, here it is, folks, in love. You don't have to just eat it. You don't have to just be, well, I guess I just need to be more forgiving. No, you need to be the person, if you're in a crippling relationship, to say, you know what? I need to speak some truth to you in love. And here it is. And if they won't hear you, then you need to get some additional help and bring it in so that you can be heard. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Romans 16 talks about marking them, avoiding them who serve not the Lord. And they use fair speeches and good works to deceive. People will try to deceive you and make it as if what they're doing is Christian. 
please don't allow yourself to be in a relationship like that. Get help. Don't be afraid to speak the truth in love. It's called, it's called tough love. Some of you young ones have probably experienced that uh, by your parents, right? Hey, I'm being tough on you on this for a reason. Hey, I love you. I love you. I don't want you. I don't want. I don't want to just let this go by. I want, I want to talk to you about this. This is important. Ephesians five. Ephesians five. As much as the Bible says you are to forbear one another. And as much as the Bible says we are to forgive one another, guess what it also says in Ephesians 5, verse number 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Well, we're just supposed to forgive and forbear. Okay, we are, but we're also supposed to prove. And that is okay to do. That is Christian to do. There needs to be some proving so that I can now trust you more. That's how healthy relationships are built. Young people, don't forget that. And then the Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know how many Christian women over the years have been given advice by so-called Christian leaders when they say, well, my husband's doing this that's wrong and doing this that's wrong. And the advice has basically been, well, just go home and love them for me. Well, preacher, he's smacking me around. Well, you need to forbear and you need to forgive. Now, my advice is, why don't you knee him in the groin? Speak the truth in love. Tell him you love him after he hits the ground. No, I'm not being, I'm being serious. This idea that you're just supposed to stand there like a doormat and take shots and never defend yourself. No, prove all things. If it's an unfruitful work of darkness, reprove it. Don't stand there like a doormat and allow someone to just verbally abuse you or worse yet, physically abuse you. Prove all things. And any lady that's getting harmed by her husband or any other relationship like that, call the cops. Call the police. Reprove that unfruitful work of darkness. And be ready to forgive and forbear. All at the same time. It's not one without the other. It's all of it. There's a proving as much as there's a forbearing. <clears throat> or you run the risk of the stress just emotionally draining Smiling outwardly but crying inwardly is not acceptable. Get the thing right. Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all things and the bed undefiled. You know, the sanctity of marriage means it's pure, it's holy, and it's safe. The sanctity of marriage has to do with the safety of marriage. Christ was the sacrificial lamb, not your wife, gentlemen. 
and anyone that isn't married that's going to get married. Jesus Christ paid it all. He bore all the sin. You get your mind wrapped around that, you'll treat your wife better. Christ dying for your sorry soul. All of us. Go to Romans 5. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith. We have peace. With God. Through our Lord. Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm laughing because as I'm reading this. I'm thinking my kids do this funny thing with me. Uh, every now and again. And it's been more now. Then again, is you know, they like we like to sit around and kind of laugh about some stuff. And what they'll do is they'll take turns imitating dad and the sayings that I'll say over and over again. And so, uh, you know, it's just a fun little thing that makes everybody laugh except me. But you know, I mean, I laugh too. But you know, are you like that, dad? You, you know, you, you typically, if you ask your wife or your kids, they can pinpoint the, the exact things that you say. And uh, one of the things I say is, you know, how about, how about we just have some, can we just have some peace? Peace, peace. You know, when you got saved, you got something internally that can never be replaced. Peace. And no matter what's going on chaotically in this world, you can know this verse is true all the time. Because you're not going to have peace with this wicked world. And if you are in a people that are in abusive relationships, the only type of peace a lot of them have is to lay hold on this little verse. And I know we're sitting here and we can take this verse for granted because we got the best of both worlds. We have spouses that care about us and we have children that we love and we try to fellowship and one another, each other, all that, all that. But help us not take it for granted because a lot of people don't have that. And the only peace they're going to have, and look, it's not like it's a bad thing. It's great. But isn't it helpful when you have relationships down here that are peaceful too? God. First John 3, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. We should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. If you are ever dealing with someone who's in a relationship that's crippling or abusive, take him to First John 3. Take them to Romans 5. In 1 John 3, let, they, let them know they are significant to God. They need to know that. And they can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone is significant in the eyes of God. And if you are saved, you belong to God, even the, even the best. In Proverbs 31, verse 11, you don't have to turn there for the sake of time, but the Bible says, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall, so that he shall have no need 
of spoil. No trust equals destruction. Trust is what relationships are built on. Not a wife being controlled or a husband being controlled. Which, by the way, it goes both ways. Well, the husband, he's just, he's just a controlling man. I can't do anything. I can't make toast without permission. Well, okay, that's a problem. But it goes the other way, too. Wives. Do it to husbands. Things don't go my way. He's gonna, I'm going to let him have it. It goes both ways. Healthy relationships aren't built on that. It's built on trust. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her that, she'll, that he shall have no need of spoil. Sad story. Uh, this poor Christian lady was trapped in a controlling relationship. I mean, she couldn't do anything without her husband's permission. Kate couldn't eat food without getting permission. He had to make sure she'd get in trouble if she didn't uh, take him to brush his teeth immediately after eating a piece of candy. And I'm thinking, just thinking to myself, what a horrible way to live. Control. And when it's not your place, what are we going to say? She's a big girl. Leave her alone. Because if you say that, now it makes it worse for her when she goes home. It's control. And it's destructive. Well, before any of you ladies go down and buy your favorite car on Monday, don't use this sermon as a, an excuse to say, I'm not asking my husband no. I'm just going to go buy them. You know what we're saying, right? Right? <laughs> Amen. Uh, she's not supposed to lack anything. Uh, making someone feel devalued, their feelings, their emotions mean nothing. All that is destructive. That's not Christian. Your source must be God. So I'll leave you with this. Well, let me say this before I leave you. People are not objects. They're created by God. Our children aren't just objects. They're given to us by God. Your spouse isn't just an object. They're given to us by God. We should cherish and respect that. Proverbs 3.26 says, For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. The Lord's got to be your source of confidence. Hebrews 6 says, He is sure, he is, stead, he is the sure and steadfast anchor of your soul. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got to be your anchor. He's got to be your comfort. He's got to be your confidence. And then the rest of these things start to fall into place. Should we forbear? Should we forgive? Yes. But should we be able to reprove and rebuke? I'm having a hard time saying that word today. And prove? We should. We should. And so all of it's there. And I, I believe if we get a hold of that, we can, we can help people that might need it.
concerning their relationship. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.